0: Well, the lights turned on and the television stations all interrupted their already somewhat interrupted normal programming, and the then President of the United States, George W. Bush, began to address a nation that was in absolute shock. What do you tell a nation that just endured the horrors of 9 11? Four planes uh, on American soil, over 3,000 Americans killed. Our sense of security and peace really shattered, broken in a very real way. I can only imagine some of the conversations that must have been going among the the president and his speech writing team as they prepared for this address. This is one of those that they knew multiple families would remember the moment they gathered around the television to hear him speak and address this situation. And as he started to speak, one of the quotes that has forever stood out to me was a quote from the passage we're going to study this morning. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 23 and its beautiful imagery has been used many times in many ways in our culture. Uh, I think obviously you probably think about funerals, like legitimately, uh, this is probably the number one funeral passage that people ask about uh, when I'm doing services. Uh, So some of you think immediately funerals, some of you might think immediately like rap from the 90s, right? So it's like a casket or Coolio, one of the two. So like we're we're thinking about uh, all kinds of different songs that this is has been used in. This has been used prominently in films, uh, like, you know, Rooster Cogburn and Pale Rider. We got John and Clint both, right? Uh, Then you've also got Titanic, where this is being solemnly recited as the ship goes down. And I, I think as culture often does... Culture has kind of missed the point of Psalm 23 because whether it be in in multiple rap songs, I only mentioned Coolio, but you've got Kanye and Tupac that references as well. So like you've got all of these Psalm 23 references in culture and most of them are almost Psalm 23 as a question mark. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. So it's almost shouted out into the ether like God is with me, question mark. But what I want you to understand is that the reason this passage comes up in solemn moments is not because it's just something we're throwing out there that we hope is true. But rather, Psalm 23 was not written to be a question mark, but friends, it is an exclamation point. It is a declaration that we have a shepherd who is with us, a God who is very present and who is here and who is faithful, So I pray that as we study this text that today uh, we would certainly be comforted if you were in a season of struggle, that that this psalm would comfort you as it does many families in times of grief and loss. But the reality is as we study this passage, it should bring us joy, hope, and, and yes, even peace today. So my prayer is that we would read and hear this passage with really fresh eyes and hearts today as we prepare to hear from the Lord. So would you read this with me, and we'll pray and ask for God's help, and we'll study together. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for this psalm that has such a place in our culture and even in our church culture and our hearts and our minds. God, we we probably even now, there are memories flooding into our hearts and minds of of friends and loved ones who've gone before us and friends and, and I think of relatives who this was their favorite passage. God, I pray that today perhaps you would make this our favorite passage as well. Lord, that you would just remind us of your constant and consistent presence. God, I just declare that all of my life you've been so faithful. You've been so good to me, God. And I know that my brothers and sisters can say that same thing. And I pray, Lord, that we would feel that, that we would just have a sense of that today. And that this truth would just point us to a peace uh, that we have not had in a long time. So I thank you for what you're going to do today, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I remember growing up in uh, my house as a, as a small child, and I remember if I would wake up and, you know, maybe you hear like a weird, you know, sound in your home, or you hear something that's kind of scary sounding even, and I remember having the weird ability to just like roll over and go back to sleep. Why? Because my dad was in the house right? Like dad's got it, like dad's the one who's going to be able to fix that. Like even if it was alarming to me, I wasn't that alarmed because I knew that my dad was there. And, and you know, if you, on Father's Day, some of you know, like dad was Superman for me, right? Like dad was going to take care of it. I wasn't worried about it. And now as I've grown older and become a dad myself, and there are times when I find myself in the middle of the night, wandering through my house with a golf club, ready to take out, you know, whatever steps around the corner, and I am kind of like, if I'm being honest, I know I'm losing man points here, but kind of scared to death, right? Like, that was a big noise. There's, there's a monster in my house, all right? Like, you know, now now I moved here. We have basements here. So, like, you got to go downstairs and check things out. So, you know, I'm glad we don't have, you know, a dog that would come out. He might would have caught the nine iron, all right? And I'm glad it hadn't happened yet. But, like, in those moments, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, Holy cow, I'm the dad now, right? Like, I'm the one, like, my kids are not, like, even if they woke up, they're not scared because they have this sense of security and peace. And and I realize in that moment, that is some misguided peace of mind, (laughs) right? And in that moment, I'm just reminded of the fact that, again, I don't really have control. There's not really the peace. I, I, even though I am the guy who's running things and letting my kids sleep peacefully under my care, I realize that that is not a sure thing. Yet when I read a passage like Psalm 23, I'm reminded Church, that that we can truly rest in the care of someone greater than us. And, And it is not a false sense of security. It's not a false sense of peace. But we can truly rest under the care of our Father. We have a good shepherd. And he cares for us. He protects us in ways that are beyond our ability to comprehend. But I pray that today as we study this passage, we would be able to comprehend it in some new ways today. Much has been said about this compelling metaphor of the Lord as our shepherd. It's a biblical metaphor that's used really throughout the pages of scripture. I think of Jesus in John chapter 10, referring to himself as the good shepherd, that he is the one who takes care of his flock and his sheep know his voice and he is the one who is lovingly caring for his flock. Prophecy talks about the shepherd that will come. Pastors are, are known as shepherds in the New Testament. And I'm always very quick to say that pastors are under shepherds of the true shepherd, right? That uh, I've been charged and I'm just given this charge to help care for his flock. But here's the thing that I think is important for you to know. When David writes about the shepherd... He, he's not just trying to paint this beautiful biblical metaphor. Now, certainly the Holy Spirit knows that when we hear shepherd 2,000 years later, that, that we're going to hear all of these metaphors tied into one. But when David wrote this, David is literally just writing out of his own experience. Do you remember David? He's the same David, yes, King David, yes, the one who slayed Goliath with a sling and a stone, but where did we find David when we were first introduced to this dude? In the field, taking care of sheep. So we have a young shepherd who is writing a song about the Lord, and he's comparing the Lord to something that he knows very well, and that's shepherding. I read the text today from the Christian Standard Bible, and that was on purpose. Some of you didn't like it because, you know, you automatically go King James Version when you hear popular passages that you know well. But I wanted to do this on purpose because I wanted you to have to think about this psalm a little bit. I told you last week, I know how you church folks work. You hear, an auto, you hear a passage that you know really well, and it's easy to go into autopilot, right? Uh, But I don't want you to go into autopilot. I want us to think about some of these translation choices. I want us to think about what this really means. So I want to build today's message really around one big statement that I think summarizes this text well. Here's the big statement if you're taking notes or trying to remember it. It's this. The Lord takes care of me in every circumstance. So he stays close to me and I stay close to him. The Lord takes care of me in every circumstance, so he stays close to me and I stay close to him. That's it. That's what I hope you will take away from this message today, but now I'm going to proceed to talk a lot longer to try to make sure you remember that statement, okay? Some of you are like, if I say it now, can I leave? No. So let's start with that first part, the Lord takes care of me. In verse 1, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Man, notice how personal that is, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, he's a shepherd, so that implies what? There's a flock to be taken care of. There are multiple sheep in this flock, yet the Lord is still my shepherd. He is a personal shepherd who loves me and cares for me. He loves you and he cares for you. That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd leads, guides, and directs. He mends, he heals, he protects. You have a personal shepherd. Just as David declared, the Lord is my shepherd. If you were in Christ today, friends, you should be able to declare, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to remind you of a couple weeks ago when we quoted A.W. Tozer, the pastor theologian who said, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. And we were reminded as we studied Matthew chapter 6 and other passages in the Bible that the Lord is all loving, like God is love. He loves you perfectly And we were reminded that God is all wisdom, that that God perfectly knows how to take care of you. And we were reminded that God is all powerful, which means God is big enough, strong enough, and God enough to fulfill his purposes in your life. So if God is all loving and all wise and all powerful, and he is your shepherd and he is perfectly taking care of you, What else do we need? Right? Like, think about that for a minute. The God of all creation created you and perfectly takes care of you. I mean, breathe that in for a minute. I don't think that shocks you enough. That the God of all creation that the Bible says is holding the universe together by the word of his immovable power is also holding you together by that same word. And he perfectly takes care of you. No wonder David immediately says, the classic line in the older translations, I shall not want. Meaning I have everything I need. There is nothing else that I need. The Lord is your shepherd. We have everything we need. I hope you believe that today. I know you're being quiet and that's all right. You don't have to, you know. I know our church, but I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that. Because if you do, that's really a game changer. Like Peace, Love, Summer series is over if you just believe that. <laughs> the Lord is your shepherd, you have everything you need. The psalm continues and is beautiful. It's awesome. The good shepherd, he's leading us beside quiet waters. We're laying down in the most beautiful green soft grass. In verse 3, we're being renewed by him and he's helping us navigate life's choices. Like he's helping us make the right decision. I love that. Leading me along the right path. Do you want to know if you're on the right path in your life? Is the Lord your shepherd? Are you following him? If you are, then you are going down the right path because he is going to lead you down the right path. This is absolutely awesome, isn't it? We're like poolside with the Lord. He's leading us. He's helping us make all the right choices. We're being refreshed in incredible ways. Some of you right now are like, man, sign me up. I want to make the Lord my shepherd today. But then all of a sudden, this song takes a dark turn. One minute, again, we're kind of like poolside, quiet waters, relaxing with the Lord. And then all of a sudden in verse 4, we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. The CSB says the darkest valley. Friends, listen to me. We have all been through awful, difficult, challenging, and trying circumstances. But the darkest valleys in life help us see an important truth that we need to remember. And that's that the Lord takes care of me in every circumstance. The Lord takes care of me in every circumstance. Here's the deal. We love verses 2 and 3. Like, absolutely love it. Like, I want to preach that message every single week. But I'll say this. I think we get confused, and it's hard for us to see how God is working when we come to the verse 4 moments in our lives. My good friend Derek Hicks is one of the people who is going to be coming to to teach us at the Together Conference. Just another plug for that. I'm excited for you to hear his heart. He's leading some breakout sessions, and we'll be preaching here on a Sunday that weekend. But his wife, Lauren, a few years ago had a battle with cancer, and it was a very difficult time for their family. And I remember talking to him on the phone one day, and he said something along the lines of this. He said, you know, Russie, I'm I'm really right now having to work my faith muscle in a way that it hasn't been worked in a while. And he said, it's kind of like, you know, when you haven't worked out in a long time and then you start to work out and you think you can lift the weight you were lifting when you quit working out, but you realize that you can't because of the whole atrophy situation, right? He's like, I just realized I haven't really been putting my faith in the Lord. And now in a situation where I absolutely have to, it's tough. Have you ever been in a situation like that, friends? It hit me hard when he shared that with me. I just thought about how even in the darkest valleys of our lives, the Lord is working on us in a real way. Some of you are there right now. Some of you are in a season where you're having to use your faith muscle in ways that it has not been used in a long time. The darkest valley does not seem to be getting brighter anytime soon, but I want to encourage you today. I want to beg you to hold on to him. See David in this text saying, God is here. I am not alone. And this truth that the Lord is his shepherd means that he is always with him. Even in the darkness, he says, I do not fear. Why? Because even in the confusion, even in the darkness, even in the fear, even in the midst of this, you are with me. God is there and God is at work. So we can walk confidently, even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of darkness, in the midst of real loss and the real heartache and grief of life we are steady why because the shepherd is steady and he is with us we can have real peace because he is our peace i think this is hard for us because it's easier for us to find our peace in the circumstances of life In fact, that's what we're used to, right? Like, we we equate peace with verses 2 and 3. In fact, when I read verses 2 and 3, you almost sense that, right? You read verses 2 and 3, you're like, oh, I want the quiet waters. Uh, Like, I want the still waters. I want the green pastures of life. But here's what Psalm 23 is actually teaching us, friends. It's teaching us that Jesus is the green pasture. Jesus is the green pasture. This peace we're looking for isn't a circumstance. The peace you're looking for isn't money. It's not being unbusy. It's not an easier life. No, the green pasture is Jesus. He is our peace. And here's what's amazing about this. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the darkest times in our life, the green pasture actually goes with us. That amazing VRBO or Airbnb you stayed in on vacation that that made you feel refreshed and the joy, and let's like, this is beautiful. I wish I could drink my coffee on this porch every morning. Jesus says, the green pasture is me, and I go with you wherever you go. He's with me. He takes care of me in every circumstance. We can go from quiet waters to the valley of the shadow of death and we don't have to fear. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. But here's what we tend to do. Like you right now are, you know, giving me the blank preacher stare of like, yeah, this isn't new information. Thank you for telling me that God is good and he takes care of me. What are we in children's church today? Child dedication, decided to phone it in. Here's the problem though. Acknowledging this truth and living in this truth are two very different things. I think that we tend to agree with this thought. We say Jesus is the green pastor, but then you look at our lives and we're chasing all kinds of fake pastures in our life. Every single one of us, we're chasing all kinds of things that are not what we think they ought to be. So here's what I want to just ask you to do today. I want to ask you right now this question. What fake pastures are you pursuing in your life? I remember a friend got to tour AT&T Stadium. Do you remember that? When that was a stadium that was built like 08? It used to be like the premier stadium, but now they've built another one. It's the home of the Dallas Cowboys. Have you ever heard of them? Yes, Lord. All right. So when this stadium is built it was, it was, man, everybody was talking about it, just massive structure. And then obviously, you know, when in LA, they built a new one this year. So it's not talked about as much, but in like 2008, 2009, it was a big deal. And a friend of mine, because of some business connections, got to tour it as they're building it. So he's there and they're checking it out and, and as they're touring uh, and they're looking at the stadium, he comes back and he's like, Rusty, and he's just so pumped about this one thing. And I got to tell you, it's not what you're thinking. I'm thinking maybe he's going to tell me about the massive screen that's absolutely incredible. Maybe he's going to tell me about the beautiful art exhibits. It's like a museum when you're walking around in the concourse of that stadium. But no, you know what this guy wants to talk to me about? The fake grass. He said, Rusty the tour guide was telling us how, how they just worked so hard on it, trying to make it feel and look and seem like real grass. Like it it was just, you know, I even took off my flip flops and walked on it. And it was just like walking in a real yard. This dude even brought me some of the fake grass. Like the the stadium was so new. There was a pile of the clippings over on the side and he brought me a strip of this fake grass and he was so pumped about it. And, And I remember even at the time being like, Hey bro, this is a little weird. You're really excited about it. I don't care how much it looks like real grass and feels like real grass it's fake grass that guy ended up going into the turf industry no I'm kidding I'm kidding but I think there are many astroturf pastures in life things that look like peace seem like peace that we think are going to give us peace but when we get there friends it, it may have the illusion of it but it's not peace You may think that a bigger paycheck's gonna bring you peace and it might for a little while. You may think that a new relationship is gonna bring you peace and it may bring you peace for just a few minutes. You may think that a better circumstance is gonna give you peace but at the end of the day, here's what I wanna tell you. Even right now, you may be feeling at peace today because you're not walking in any difficult circumstances but but what I wanna tell you this Is that if your green pasture is anything other than Jesus, when your verse 4 moment comes and you are in life's darkest valleys, you're not going to be able to find true peace. But when Jesus is your green pasture, friends, his peace goes with you. Wherever you go, whatever it is you're doing, Jesus is always with us. So not only does we, the, do we see the Lord taking care of us in every circumstance, but we see in this text that he stays close to us, that he stays close to us. So our, our statement is, the Lord takes care of me in every situation, so he stays close to me. Look at verse 6 with me says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. Some of you are more familiar with the phrase goodness and mercy, but I love this translation. Uh, into faithful love, because this is a multifaceted Hebrew word that talks about God's unfailing love, his mercy, and his never-going-anywhere faithfulness. And David says, I have experienced the goodness and the mercy and the faithful love of God, and it is chasing after me. It is pursuing me today. Friends, listen to me. The love of God, the faithful, never-ending love of God is pursuing you today. Some of you need to hear this because you've been running from God. And I just want to tell you that running from God is the most a fruitless endeavor you could possibly do. It's like running on a treadmill. You're going to get really tired and you're not actually going anywhere. You're going to get weary, but you're not moving away. Listen, there is no way to get far away from God. Aren't you glad of that fact today? No matter how far you run, how far you think you've gone, his goodness and faithful love are pursuing and chasing after you today. And the call of this message, the invitation really, is to stop running. To turn around and let his love and mercy and goodness crash into you with all of its force today. That's the invitation. He stays close to me, so I stay close to him. Verse five says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, Overflows. God has set a table for us. He has prepared for us to come and dine with him. This idea of oil and the cup overflowing is his presence, that he will pour out his presence on us to the point that it pours out of us and touches everything in our life. And people will know that we have been with the Lord. So the invitation is to sit down and experience his presence in a real and tangible way. But I want you again to notice that this table is set up in the presence of our enemies. Like anybody else, like, hey, this is going to be really, really great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, uh, you know, my wife out to eat and we're going to sit down uh, right across from my greatest enemy that is seeking to kill me. It's going to be a wonderful date. Some of you may be thinking, well, why in the world would the Lord put us in the presence of our enemies? But I want to encourage you and remind you of what we've learned through this series. Stressors are always going to be a reality in our lives. We are always going to have things that we have to go through. The Lord does not always remove us from difficult circumstances. He doesn't always clean up the conflict in our life. But here's what I want to tell you this passage points to, is that even in the midst of our enemies, he has set a table before us so that we can experience his power and his presence even in the middle of what we're walking through. Friends, regardless of what you're going through today, he has set a table before you. The question is, will you sit and meet with him? Our small group did a study of this passage several months ago, and the main thing that stood out to us was, was this thought of, are you sitting at the master's table, or are you using it as a drive through you're just zipping through, you know, the, I, I love that David was not really interested in just getting a little tidbit of God info and going about his day. David didn't want just enough of God to, to know that, uh, you know, he had checked off his box of religious obligation, No, he wanted to sit at the table with God and wanted his head to be anointed with oil so that his cup would be overflowing. Friends, how many of you today are walking through life trying to pour out of an empty cup because you haven't sat at the table with the Lord to be anointed by his power and presence in a way that fills you up so that you can then be poured out so that you can go and be filled up so that you can then go and be poured out are you sitting at the master's table? He invites you to come. Even in the presence of his enemies. You know, we all go through trials and conflicts, but, but I will just tell you, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who went through more stuff than David. Now listen, some of what David went through is because of his own boneheaded sinfulness and mistakes. But some of what David threw is just the cost of being in leadership, Just the cost of living life in this fallen world. He went through trials and difficult circumstances, but even in the worst of our circumstances, friends, the Lord has prepared a table for us. And our response ought to be like David's, the second half of verse six. I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. So just as the the anointing, oil represented the power and presence of God, so the house of the Lord in the Old Testament represented God's presence. And David says, that's where I'm staying. That's where I wanna be. I wanna be found right smack in the middle of Jesus and his presence and his will for my life. That might be beside quiet waters, but friends, that may be in the darkest valley. But I shall not want because I shall have my savior. I have everything I need because Jesus is everything I need. The Lord takes care of me in every circumstance. So he stays close to me and I stay close to him. I pray that you're truly able to live that and walk that out in these days. Two quick questions and then I'm done. First is this, is Jesus your shepherd? It's an important question. Because some of you maybe, you know, this, this passage again, uh, the president's quoting it, like, you know, Tupac's quoting it. It's everywhere, right? Like our culture uses this as a psalm of comfort. And I want to tell you that, it, that Psalm 23 might be a fake green pasture for you if you're not actually in Christ. The only way to experience the shepherding of the Lord is to be in Christ. God and his grace is coming after you today. Some of you today may not know Jesus. Can I tell you, his goodness and faithful love pursued you all the way to a Father's Day message that you obligatory reasons had to come and sit through. And God has given you the opportunity today to change your life. Even though you are a great sinner, we have a great Savior who pursued you to this very moment. If Jesus is not your shepherd, make him your shepherd today. I want to talk to you about that if you need to. Second question I want to ask is just a reminder of even last week's message. Are you sitting at the table with Jesus? Or are you just trying to live off of drive through moments? Listen, I just want to tell you that if you eat drive through food all the time, you ain't going to be healthy. No, they have salads now. Stop it. <laughs> it's a really delicious salad. Stop if you're living off drive-thru, it's not going to be good for you long-term. Can I tell you that some of your spiritual health is greatly affected because you've been trying to live off of drive through moments? Living off of two-minute preacher clips on Instagram, that doesn't count as a quiet time that as you scrolled TikTok for an hour and a half, you saw three preacher moments. It doesn't count that, that you saw a verse a day and looked at it real quick. Can, can I tell you? Not that those are bad things. Thank God for the little moments in our lives. Thank God for a good drive through hamburger every now and then. Yes, Lord. But you need a steady diet of sitting down at the master's table and spending time with him. I'm just going to tell you again, if you haven't built a rhythm to do that, you need to build a rhythm to do that. Because if you don't, good luck living with the peace of God. But can I tell you something? The Lord is your shepherd. And he takes care of you In every circumstance. And he's staying close to you. And the invitation today for you is that you would stay close to him. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this message today. Thank you for the challenge that it brings us. Thank you for the hope that it brings us. God, just the the reminder that we need that we have a shepherd. That you care for us personally. And that you want to have a relationship with us personally. God, I just pray that every single person in this room would know you today. And if they don't know you, Lord, I pray that today they would come to know you, that you'd give them boldness to come and pray with me today and talk about what it means to know you as the good shepherd. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here, and, and I know there, there are, there are many people in here who, who probably have been living off of drive-through spirituality instead of really sitting at the table. God, thank you for this invitation you've given us today, and I pray that many of us would be seated at the table, soaking up your presence and your power in a real way so that we can go and be poured out for your sake.